Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Thinking of starting a podcast? We'll try Anchor. It's free, easy to use, and its creation tools allow you to record and edit directly from your phone or computer. It'll even take care of distribution for you with a single tap so you can be heard on platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Also, Anchor is the only place you can publish video podcasts directly to Spotify. Man, you can even make money using Anchor in a couple of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. It's truly everything you need in one place to make a podcast. So make sure to go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Welcome to another edition of the It's Cavalier podcast. As always, it's your boy, Mac. Today, I figured we'd hop on and talk about the season that Isaac Okoro was having in particular. Now, we know what we're going to get out of Isaac Okoro on a night-to-night basis in regards to the defensive effort that he gives. We know that he is going to generally match up on the opposition's best perimeter player. And we know that he can play pretty much one through three defensively. And on some occasions, get some undersized uh, power forwards. He can man up at that position, too. Isaac is still a work in progress in regards to his offense, though. Some of that is by design. The Cavs knew that when they were drafting Okoro, that he would likely end up being a project on that end of the floor. With that being said, he still, in my opinion, at least has very high upside. I think he can develop into a three and D wing eventually. But as have been the case recently, even if he doesn't develop a consistent three-point shot, I think the Cavs can still put him out there in positions that he will be able to succeed in, and they can still come out with wins. I think a lot of that has to do with the players that you surround him with in that regard, whether or not that is a point guard like Darius Garland, who can try and find Isaac in positions uh, that and try to really just put him in favorable spots. Isaac Okoro is going to definitely have to run the floor and try and cut uh, is and we know that he's a fairly good, if not really good cutter at this stage of his career. He could get better. He could improve just like all players can. But I think he's a relatively good cutter at this point. And so having a point guard like Darius Garland around him on the floor is awesome. Uh, you know, conversely, when you look at the uh, when you look at the forwards, having Lowry Markin out there is to me, perhaps the biggest aspect of truly allowing Isaac Okoro to feel comfortable out there. And that is simply because having Lowry out there allows Isaac to just really focus primarily on defense, focus on getting to where he needs to get to, focus on uh, setting screens, focus on navigating screens on the defensive end. I think having Lowry out there is big time for him because Lowry spaces the floor in ways that Isaac can't yet. 
And so he's not going to be asked to guard up a position defensively. That's one definite uh, aspect to it. We still see that teams are laying off of Isaac heavily when he goes out beyond range because they just don't have the confidence. Uh, He doesn't scare people with his perimeter shooting. I'll put it that way. And honestly, right now, it's rightfully so. Um, Anything you're getting in regards to, you know, shooting from range to me, is just icing on the cake. Whatever Isaac is able to provide on the defensive end, if he's able to cut to the basket, uh, run in transition, you know, play well in that regard, I think that he can be a positive contributor moving forward, even if he never truly develops a three-point shot, even if that three-point shot never really materializes. I think there's a path to success for him. Now, how long he's able to keep it up, I don't know. That's in question just because we have to see significant develop out of him, uh, development out of him moving forward past this season. Now, he has been fortunate enough to be, you know, to, to kind of be gifted that starting spot at the shooting guard. And to, to me, honestly, I know I do not think Isaac Core is truly skilled enough to be called a shooting guard. I just don't. Not at this point in his career anyways. Due to the, the, the rather unfortunate injury to Sexton, that really forced the Cavs' hand into really kind of messing with the rotations. Uh, J.B. Bickerstaff had to make the decision, hey, do I want to keep Ricky Rubio in the starting lineup or do I want to have his facilitation and scoring chops uh, available off the bench? To me, I think that's that's a no-brainer to me. You keep him coming off the bench. You can be best utilized in that role. And in regards to his minutes distribution, he is still receiving a full complement of starters' minutes off the bench. Uh, ditto for... Jetty Osmond, I think with him, the best thing that you could have done for Jetty is to simplify his role. And we see that he is excelling in that when he's on the court. Uh, he may not get a full starter's complement of minutes, but he's made the best out of his role. And he's truly, to me, having the most efficient season by far. So you were not going to roll, uh, roll him out there uh, at the two. Uh, there's there's obviously a conversation and uh, merit for it. You know, if you're talking about how effective as a shooter that he can be, we know he's still, you know, probably always going to be a work in progress on the defensive end. That's just that's just how it is. You know, we've seen enough of Jetty in his uh, in his time here to really make that determination. So that really leaves you with one of only two options, and that is Dylan Windler and Isaac Okoro. And obviously, up to this point, Dylan Windler prior to the season had been made of glass. I've said that numerous times. I'm not going to shy away from that. Uh, We had a Dylan Windler sighting in Cleveland's last game, which was good, but he still, you know, he just, he hasn't shown enough, in my opinion, to really merit serious serious consideration to start. And so you have to, you have to roll a core out there. And so with what he brings to the table defensively, I just think that it's sustainable. I think he is not going to ask, uh, not going to be asked to go out there on a night to night basis and provide just scoring in bunches. He's just not just listen to his stat line as a starter in 10 games this season. In 10 games this season, Isaac Okoro is averaging eight points, 4.9 rebounds, 1.9 assists, and he is currently shooting 34.5% from the field and an abysmal 21.1% from three-point range. Those numbers are just, I mean, when if you just factor in the field goal percentages in their own right, that's just bad. It really is. 
But it doesn't matter because he's still being utilized effectively out there. And what he provides on the defensive end is enough to offset, at least in this moment in time, with the players that you've surrounded him with, it's enough for him to be a positive impact on the floor. Now, if you look at his numbers as a reserve, and that's just four games uh, this season, not really too much of a difference. Seven points, 2.8 rebounds, 1.8 assists. The field goal percentage is a little bit misleading because it's up at 47.8%, and his three-point percentage is even worse at 20%. And so there's not too much of a change there, nor, nor is there in minutes distribution. 30.7 minutes per game in the games that he started, 27 minutes per game in the games that he's been a reserve. So that tells me everything that I need to know. It just it truly means that the Cavs are still trying to figure out what best areas to utilize him in. Uh, he's still trying to gain confidence to pull from range. And we've seen that from him uh, in his past couple of games. He's not going to go out there and just completely shut it down from outside the arc. But if, in my opinion, I've always said this, I think if you give him the opportunity to uh, facilitate the ball, which he he's shown on occasion that he can. He did have a, a pretty good stretch to close out the year last season uh, through the month of May, in which he was, you know, he was a primary or secondary ball handler, and he, he didn't look half bad doing so. But in regards to the three-point shooting, I mean, I don't like five to seven attempts per game from that spot. I think anywhere between two to four is, is fine with me, even if he's not hitting them with consistency. I think the main thing that I've wanted to see out of Isaac Okoro is confidence and just the ability to go out there and add something else. And I think as a cutter, you've seen that uh, as a facilitator, as a defender, you're going to always see that. he's The guy is just maximum effort. He's a ball of energy whenever he's out there. That's just that those are my takeaways uh, in regards to, you know, the three point struggles that he's had and his last, I want to say five games. We'll, we'll take it back to the, uh, the Brooklyn game. Well, now let's, let's go. Yeah, we'll go Brooklyn game. He went <clears throat> in that Brooklyn game. He went of two next game against Golden State. Oh, four. Still, I mean, I, I, he didn't hit any of those. That's, you know, oh, for six and over that stretch of time in regards to uh, in regards to three point range. But I'm still I still like the fact that he was taking them. Then next game up three of seven from three. Again, I don't like Isaac Coral taking seven attempts, for, uh, you know, from deep a game. But uh, the fact that he hit three of them, that kind of salvages it. Right. I mean, that's that's what you want to see out of him. You want to see him have the ability to space the floor, especially when the defense is playing off of him. They're they're really sagging off of, uh, you know, when he moves out beyond the arc. And that's just one of those things that he has got to make the defense pay for. The better, I mean, the sooner that he is able to do that, the the higher the the points per game that you're going to see out of him. You know, you're going to see him crack double digit points eventually. Uh, in regards to a seasonal output. It's just not going to happen right now if he's not able to hit from consistency. But, I mean, like I said, it's not a truly big deal right now just because I think the Cavs can win despite that. Uh, and what he's able to offer on the defensive end, I will continue to keep saying this, it more than makes up for his deficiencies in regards to range. Uh one for four against Phoenix, one for three against Orlando, one for two against Dallas. That's fine with me. Anywhere in between two to four attempts a game, I'm okay with that. As long as he's hitting at least one of those, as long as he's keeping the defense on their toes in that regard, I can be okay with that. 
And I, I'm not going to expect him to go out there and just drop 20 plus, uh, 20 plus points a game on people. I'm just not. I think to have that expectation for Okoro, especially uh, coming out of college the way he did, I just think that's an unfair expectation. He was drafted fifth overall for a reason, however, and that is because of the the immense potential that he showed. And, you know, quite honestly, the Cavs needed a defender in the worst way, you know, coming into that 2020 draft. It was just there, there, there were other options available in regards to uh, in regards to guys who could go out there and put points on the board, but I just think he was the best fit at the time for what they needed, a defender. Anything else he gives you on offense is just it's gravy, man. I, I'm going to continue continue saying that. I think that the, the opportunity that he has been afforded to go out there in the starting unit again, it's big time for him. I think that's going to essentially help the Cavs in the long term in regards to evaluating, you know, what he looks like with this group of guys right now. It does suck, you know, in regards to what happened to Colin Sexton, but it does provide the Cavs with yet another opportunity to evaluate some of these pieces in, you know, in a different light. Heading into this season, Isaac Okoro, the biggest question for him was, well, is he going to be able to develop a consistent three-point shot? And I think you're going to see more and more of that pop up as time goes on and and game in, game out, as his confidence continues to return to levels it was near, you know, the finish, the end of last season. I just think for him, he's going to have to continue to go out there and give it his all. And by all means, at this point in time, he has, he's, he's put his head down. He's done everything that the coaching staff has asked of him. And and that's just, I mean, we didn't get a fair and not, not a fair necessarily. We didn't get a clear definition on what JB wanted from him in regards to, you know, starting what went into him starting. What was the decision-making process in regards to that other than him just basically, you know, doing everything that they've, they've asked him to do. He's been an excellent teammate. Uh, you know, you hear that all the time around the, around some of these guys, there's, you don't hear too many bad things said anymore in regards to this Cavaliers team. If really any at all. I mean, last season you knew Kevin Love was going to be good for some quote, <laughs> you know, you were going to get some chatter about how Colin Sexton was just, you know, a ball hog and just not a good team player. This season, you haven't really, really heard any grumblings. Just and you know, part of that is winning. Winning really helps. And I know the Cavs got off to a fairly decent start last season, but this season in particular has been really, really eye-opening in a lot of regards. One, the Cavs really opened with a very tough schedule. They have played a lot of good teams. And the mere fact that they sit here at this point in time at 11 and 10 on the season considering the amount of adversity they face, considering the amount of injuries to the regular rotation pieces, it's astounding that they have managed to climb to an 11 and 10 record. In my opinion, I think that they will consistently go out there and give effort on a night to night basis. They are not, in my opinion, a better team without Colin Sexton. So I'll squash that right now. I just think that 11 games, it's very tough to evaluate how good a team can be when you've only had well how how good a, a certain player can fit with a team when you've only had 11 games to to make that determination. 
And we we all know the the reality behind that. There was a contract year for Sexton. Nobody really wins in that regard. You do get extra opportunities to evaluate some of these pieces, as I said earlier. But, you know, it's just it's tough to see a, a guy go down like that in that regard. But circling back to my original point, I do think that this team is, you know, not better without Colin, but I do think they have the requisite pieces to actually make a playoff run, not just playing. In my opinion, they are a top 12 team without Sexton, top eight if they had them. And trust me, if they had them, some of these some of these games in which they needed a bucket down the stretch, I, I truly believe in my heart that he would have been able to do so. Stat line was, you know, telling you a different story, but his impact this season was was tremendous. He was adjusting to the role that they are asking him to play this season, and he was doing a, a damn good job at it. The percentages would have leveled out eventually, and it's not as if you know other players on the team haven't had similar stretches of bad shooting uh, without Sexton on the floor. We, you know, we we've seen this from Darius Garland having to adjust to becoming the the really the the number one option, and he probably will be for the remainder of the season. And the key to that is how well he will adjust. And I think he's doing a very good job of that. And I know I've gotten on Garland in the past about not necessarily being a flashy athlete, but I'm going to have to walk back that a little bit. The guy can get where he wants to at any point in time, just because his change of pace and change of direction, man, it's, it's almost Kyrie like, and I don't know. Some, sometimes, athleticism shows in different ways and I know it's all flash and and dunks and and things of that nature just the general bounciness of basketball in regards to some of these guys out here who have like 48 inch verticals and things of that nature and that is not Darius Garland but Darius Garland gets it done in other ways and so the athleticism is there so I'll I'll take that back Uh, I'm ready to eat my words in that regard he has the athleticism to get to his spots the way that he's able to change his pace, change his direction on the drop of a hat is just, it, it truly is Kyrie-like. Um, Kyrie is in a in a world of his own in that regard. He's just, he's in a completely different tier in regards to ball handling and things. I don't, I, there's not very many players if, you know, maybe one or two, maybe Pistol Pete, a lot of people don't know about him, but there are not too many players who had that type of handle. And Darius Garland is starting to show a semblance of it. And there is some athleticism in that. So I give him his fair share for that. Even if he didn't, uh, he he's just been getting the job done in various other ways. His chemistry with the likes of Jared Allen and Evan Mobley has been just refreshing. There's just no other word for it, in my opinion. It's been awesome to see the the Cleveland really has become lob city this year just because of the amount of uh, dunks that are coming off lob passes between those three. It's just and you can lump Ricky Rubio in there. There's just been some excellent dimes that have been uh, dished out this season and just j- the general overall impact and of fun within this Cleveland Cavaliers organization. It's just been a completely different level this season i mean you had points through last season especially at the beginning i would say about the first 20 games or so in which you did see some pretty fun basketball but that was soon followed up by a bunch of controversy in regards to the andre drummond stuff you know at following the acquisition of jared allen you had a 
uh, just a myriad of injuries, just a lot of different things that didn't go the Cavs way last season that made the season kind of, you know, dull at, at certain points. You knew that the Cavs were never truly going to be in contention to compete for anything last year after, after probably, in my opinion, about the first 30 games. You knew, nope, they just don't have it this year. <laughs> and that's that's okay. The Cavs are not in in a they're not in a contending standpoint this year either. This year really should be more so about uh, evaluation, especially in the wake of these injuries. This is not an all or nothing year. And you know, I've said this a few different times on occasion. I just think, you know, I have to continuously tell myself that this is not the year to push the trade chips in. Uh, to, to acquire a big time piece, even if that were possible. I think there are some guys that you go out there and you absolutely take the chance on acquiring if you can. You know, I, I talked about this on the last episode with Justin Rowan, I believe. I think you, if you get the opportunity to acquire the talent, the likes of uh, Brandon Ingram, somebody like that, yeah, you do it. You, you, you do what you can to get the job done as long as you're not sacrificing too much. But some of these other trades that are, you know, barely move the needle and some that are kind of within the margins. I just think, no, this is not the year for that. Maybe, maybe a year or two from now when the Cavs are truly, you know, have a grip and understanding on what exactly they have at their disposal. But this season you are still evaluating a lot of different players. You know, Jared Allen looks like, you know, every bit worth that contract extension, if not more. And I'd love to have a serious discussion with anybody who questions his value now. So if there's somebody out there listening to the podcast who, who truly, you know, whether that be on YouTube or another media platform, if you truly believe sex, uh, not sex, if you truly believe Alan is overpaid at this point, I'd love to have you on to discuss that live. That's the, the guy has been phenomenal this year. So, I mean, there's not too much, I don't think, evaluation going on in regards to him, in regards to how good of a player he can be, just because I think he's already showing you that. Um, Evan Mobley, still very, very uh, early and young into his NBA career. So, you know, you know, there's going to be constant evaluation going on in regards to trying to figure out what works best for him. You know, he, he is truly looking like a generational type player. I think he has the, the, the makeup to be a hall of fame player one day, but a lot of things that have to go right in that regard. He has to continue to put in the work. He has to continue to show confidence to pull from range in which he has so far to his credit this season. And he has to continue to be dominant on the defensive end. And I think he has exactly really all the tools he needs, all the tools that's required of him to, 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 to reach those heights. And even if he doesn't end up winning the rookie of the year this year, and which in, in my opinion, I think that award is really given out now to the guy who can put up the most points. Even if he doesn't win the rookie of the year award, that just doesn't speak for how impactful that he has truly been on the court when he's out there. I mean, just, just the defensive presence alone that he's provided. You could see in some of these games that he's missed, especially against Golden State and Brooklyn. If Evan Mobley were to have played in those games, who knows? The result of those games might have been different. Even in the, um, I want to say even in the, the Phoenix game, I think he would have been a welcome addition. And I think he would have, the, the Cavs are already competing at a high level, you know, without him. And I think that that, that speaks volumes in its own right, but with him on the court, just it's inspired play. 
And this truly might be my favorite Cavaliers team. I don't know, maybe about six, seven years, maybe ever. I don't know. <laughs> Just because they're such an ensemble at this point. Everybody's pulling their way. Everybody's doing what they need to do. Everybody's showing growth. It's just fun basketball to watch at this point. So, I, and I know I'm not alone in that. I There's got to be other people that feel that way. Even if this is not your favorite team, this your favorite Cavaliers team ever, it's got to be up there just because I think that this team is showing a lot of fight. And, you know, the, the slogan last year was be the fight. They're definitely being the fight this year. And, you know, they're, they're letting a lot of people know, no pun intended. It's just, I don't know. There's just something about this team that just just makes you feel good inside. Um, just to, just to see them being successful, and I know they've already faced uh, quite a few quite a few stretches of adversity, and that will probably continue. No lie, um, the the schedule makers really did the Cavs no favor. But as this midseason starts to roll in, and some of these tougher games start to to come about, you will see the Cavs go on runs, especially if they're healthy. Now, we know in tonight's game, we're going to be down Jetty Osman and Dean Wade. Uh, and that's a bummer because Jetty has really just been on fire from range this year. And I've, you know, I've talked a lot about him in the past few episodes. I've written about him as well uh, for the King James Gospel. But I just, I think the Cavs have a, a good opportunity at their disposal to, to make something happen this year. And even if no moves are made, nothing changes that thought process even when Colin Sexton went down you know I talked a little bit about uh the just the impact that that would have on the team and absent from that was you know what my chances what I thought their chances were to actually still compete and I think that you know they're going to be able to do so if barring a significant injury to one more of their rotation pieces they are going to make some noise. So, you know, these, these basketball entities, ESPN, NBA.com, you know, wh- wherever you get your basketball info from, they better start paying more attention to the Caps just because it was already a travesty that this team was not really given any national coverage, uh, not really, not really, I don't think any national televised games this season, which is just absolutely ridiculous. You, the the team had the third overall pick and you didn't do that for them. That's, I mean, we've already seen the likes of Cade Cunningham and Jalen Green, uh, Grace, the ESPN, you know, primetime matchups, even in a matchup between one another. But we haven't yet to see Cleveland get that respect. And I don't know if that was just because coming out uh, of the draft, Evan Moley just didn't play the cleanest offensive game, but you knew it was there. You know, the, the rawness was definitely there, but what he could bring in regards to floor spacing in regards to uh, shot creation, he can, he can do it all. I mean, have we ever seen this blend of uh, you know, this, this blend of player, you know, especially this early. I mean, a lot of people compare him to, you know, to, to Minnesota KG and things that you're seeing out of him. It's just, I don't know. <laughs> it's just, to me, it was a travesty that nobody really thought that these guys should be able, at least given one to two nationally televised games. That's just ridiculous to me. 
Uh, with that being said, I'm gonna go ahead and close out today's episode. I know that I said that I was gonna talk about Isaac Okoro, but sometimes, you know, when you get to talking about this team, you just, you get to go on a tangent because you feel good. With that being said, I'm gonna go ahead and bring today's episode to a close. If you are not a subscriber on YouTube, make sure you go ahead and hit that like and subscribe button and leave a review. It truly helps me in regards to the content that I put out in regards to the Cavaliers. If you'd like to reach out to me, you can, as I always say, at iscavalier underscore pod on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, etc. Have a good day.